Adetoro and Rashad come from two different backgrounds. After a heated argument, they both find themselves in a situation that forces them to look to the other for safety. Privilege is a new short film by Omo Pastor that directs and sheds lights on the privilege of black men from different sides of the world. Be sure to check it out now on Flower Con. This week on The Wise Guys. Your social awareness and your self-awareness, but it also, uh, you know, reinforces minds as well to make sure that 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 that, that in itself is known, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and I also wanted to just highlight. That, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just because we are black people living in the communities we do, and you know, there is a lot, a lot of the times the reason for it seeming so impoverished is because of you know the people who actually own it and are in control, not upkeeping it properly and then us just not having the power within it to do much but there's a lot man there's a lot of of, of promise and good business and great ideas like poverty poverty i know you know which refers mostly to like economic um you know uh, having a lack of economic resources and all that but poverty just means having a lack thereof period and what we don't lack is hustle you know what I mean, what we don't lack is creativity. You know what I mean, what we don't lack is... Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is Kevin Unglad, and you are now tuning in to the Wise Guys Podcast, brought to you by Flowered Concrete. Check it out. Yo, 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 what's going on? What's going on? We're back once again. We're back. This is your boy, Kevin Unglad. And this is Mark Pruden. And we are the Wise Guys Podcast. Mark, what's going on, bro? How you been? Excellent. Ex- excellent, man. Ladies and gents, y'all been rocking with us for a good minute now. All right. Y'all really, really, really been rocking with us. Uh, man, um, this is... Uh, well, I'm not going to say this is it, but... We're almost at the finish line. We have about uh, three episodes left. This is episode 22, all right? This is episode 22. I'll preview and give the title in a moment, but this is episode 22. Uh, Mark, um, how do you feel so far, man? Uh, you know, we've uh, come a long way each week, either sparring and going at it, you know, on, you know, by ourselves and kind of, uh, you know, offending or upsetting the other and, you know, kind of making it get real heated, you know, with these debates and these discussions. Sessions and also, you know, going back and forth with our guests. How do you feel about the first season so far? It's been great, man. A lot of, a lot of insight, different perspectives, and just going back and forth and getting the conversation going. So it's been very, it's been a learning experience, I'd say. Absolutely. Uh, opening up my mind a little bit. Yeah. For, for sure, for sure. Likewise, same, same for me, man. Same for me. I'm not gonna lie. It's really, really nice. You know, you know, always talking to someone who you really care about and you appreciate, such as yourself, you know, um, and that's always fun. But I think I really, really found myself. I don't know if you also feel this way, but it feels as if I really, really found myself in a different groove once we started getting guests in here, man. I feel as if it added another dynamic to the show. What do you think? I definitely agree with that, man, for sure. It's been such a, such a diverse group of people, different, all, all walks of life, different ethnicities. It's just been really really interesting man just just getting to learn learn about so many different people for sure no i agree i agree uh you sound a little little bit over there on your side mark just just be sure to talk into the mic um that's cool for sure for sure um but uh yeah man no i i totally totally agree i totally totally agree uh ladies and gents today's episode episode 22 is called is it because i'm black 
again the title is called is it because I'm black uh, we have a really really special show planned for you today uh, and we have a guest who I will introduce momentarily but uh, unfortunately uh, Mark you know you, you'll only be in here for like the next 10-15 minutes you have to go I know you got a lot of things to do um, so so all the listeners out there who hate Mark and also love Mark at the same time you're only going to get him for about 15 minutes today but we'll make do with what we have um, cool so we have a really really special guest coming on the show for today's podcast yes Mark Absolutely. Now, ladies and gents, earlier on the show, uh, about uh, 12, 13 episodes ago, we had on my boy Raheem on the show. Raheem, a.k.a. Cash Sinatra. He was a rapper. Once again today, we have another artist on the show, another rapper on the show, all right? Ladies and gents, I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. We don't do rappers on the show, okay? We do not do rappers. But this guy that we have coming on the show today he is more than a rapper and a musician mark this man is also a philosopher he's a thinker and more importantly he's an educator man he's 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 educated he's a teacher and he's gone to school and that's a couple of degrees in the process um okay yeah 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 so we're really really happy to be bringing on this guy into the show so without further ado let's introduce and bring in our guest for today all right my boy dre coleman dre what's up bro Yo, Kev, you know the vibes. What's up, boys? What's going on, brother? Hey, how I sound? How I sound? You sound good, man. You sound good. You ready to get on the show today and debate a couple of topics with us? Yes, sir. I'm absolutely ready, man. Excellent, excellent. Dre, before you know, we get right into it, can you please give a quick 30-second elevated pitch synopsis about who you are, what you do, and all that jazz professionally and personally? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity to do this. Um, my absolutely. name is Andre. It's short. You know, Dre is short. Um, my name is Hoffa Bills, and I mean, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I have uh, a EP on Talk, talk to the, the mic, bro. That eloquent intro. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's in Brooklyn. My bachelor's is my bachelor's in education, and you know specifically students with disabilities, adolescents with moms with their disabilities, stuff like that. And um, I've been teaching, year teaching. I did high school for four years. I just finished middle school at the start of the school year, and hmm. you know I'm just looking at it. It's just what I do. Excellent, excellent. Again, man, we're yeah, man, we're really grateful and happy to have you on the show. Um, and again, Joe, I'm just going to ask to talk to the mic and also make sure you're in a good spot so that way we can get you and hear you. Um, but yeah, man, uh, look, we're happy to have you. We got three segments uh, to attack right now. Y'all, gentlemen, ready? Let's get into it. Excellent. So the first uh, segment, uh, Mark, we did it with the young ladies with Anais and Teresa um, a, a while back. We did women in the workplace, uh, black women in the workplace. Today we're going to start off with black men in the workplace. All right. So black men in the workplace. So gentlemen, my question to you, I'll let Dre go first and then Mark, you can respond afterwards. Um, so the question, uh, Dre, I wanted to pose to you is, how do we as men, or maybe that's not the right way to say it, but, hmm. Yeah, I really want to think about my question. So, okay, I'm going to rephrase it. So the question is, the question um, for us is, uh, how do black men navigate the workplace when the workplace itself uh, is a place where, you know, the 
the dominating ethnicity is not a, a black. So when I say that again, so how do black men navigate the workplace when they are more so in a white cultural space? How does that happen? What do you think? Uh, great question. Um, for me, obviously, like you know, with with, with the accolades and like the the little bit of success that I've had in my life. But part of that has had to come through knowing how to navigate in those kind of spaces. And um, I kind of, besides being just strictly taught, like, look, black men, have to know how to, like, pull your mask down and then put the lift it off. I mean, it's definitely, like, you know, uh, a very discreet skill and, like, code switching and all of that. Mm -hmm. So the same way, you know, I mean, I'm from the hood. I mean, I'm from, you know, wherever I'm from. I'm, I'm not from a wealthy background, rich and none of that. You know what I mean? And, um, when just being around certain non-people of color, it um it creates like a certain level of like understanding or like just different expectations or, or different understandings. So as black men, like we really have to, um, at least in my experience, what helped was like being prepared that knowing people wasn't going to necessarily understand where you was coming from and why certain things are important to you and um. The same way as black people in general, like there's this rhetoric going on now about people needing to understand us. We also have to enter that space with like a certain level of understanding that they understand us already. For sure, for sure. No, that's um, pretty good. I also want to throw this in there too. Um, do you bring your whole self to work as a black man? So again, you mentioned it earlier, right? You go by half the bills, um, you know, as a, as an artist, you know. Uh, ladies and gents, we'll also, you know, make sure that he plugs in all his socials at the end, end of the show. So if you want to check out how real my man's is, you know, we'll we'll let you know about it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but you know, you're also an artist. You're a rapper. You know, you're a writer. You know, you do a lot of things outside of being an educator. Um, but so my question is, do you see yourself as a black man bringing in your whole self to work? So when I say your whole self, I mean you being an artist, you being, you know, uh, you know, from the neighborhood that you're from and repping that proudly. Do you bring your whole self, or do you slice it in half and only give the corporate side uh i'm gonna have to be real bro i don't have no corporate side mm. you know what I, mean? I don't i don't have no corporate side yeah i do bring my whole self now like i said a part of myself is that ability to coach but you know like i think i think as black men especially is just like there's a lot of pressure to be a real one all the time right mm. and it's just like bro you better switch it up when it's time to switch it up and mm. that's that's as much a part of me as you know as the, the, all of the stuff I say in my music and um, now I don't go up to work first thing in the morning and tell my boss to go listen to my new mixtape no mm -hmm. but <laughs> the people I work with know that I do music and you know know what I do outside of work yeah um, you know what I mean do, a, do does everybody that I work with professionally need to know everything about my personal life or my other side no but um, for the most part yeah I don't I, I don't have no corporate side bro like I that's and that's part of the reason why like there's not many careers for me outside of education because I I can be myself and reach the kids I want to work with, you know, because I don't work at no white school, I don't work at no or you know, whatever. I work I work with mostly like black kids and yes the leadership for the, the school network that I work with is of course run by white people. And since I've joined this network, you know, I've heard a lot of dialogue, you know, about power hoarding and different ways that it's affected, you know, the black cohort of employees. Mm -hmm. But um nah bro, I'm 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 myself and I 
and when I go places, I bring myself because I think that's what people want in terms of where they're trying to take their business. I respect that. That's cool. Mark, same question. Black men in the workplace, can they actually uh, bring their whole selves or do they usually end up slicing a part of themselves in half? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on, on where, what sector you're in, you know what I mean? Because there's some, like, like in education, like, like this brother said, he's, he's teaching his own people, he's in his own community, so he can be himself. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing, and, I, and I'm sure that's, that's great for our mental health and spiritually as well. But I feel like when you begin to navigate, you know, the, the, other, the other races, uh, school system, and, and other, other sectors of business... There's going to be that code switching. There's going to be you sort of mirroring the people around you mm-hmm. to make them feel comfortable enough to conduct business with you. Yeah. Because I mean, Jay Z. I mean, different rappers. They've they kind. They have a corporate side. You know, they have. You know, when they're in a business meeting, they're not really talking about certain things that happen in their life or what they used to do and stuff like that. They're keeping it strictly business. So, I guess in that sense, everybody really has to do it. You know, when you're trying to navigate these different spaces, because you know, if we bring things from our personal life into it, they're not going to know what we're talking about. When we use these different terms and you know, different slang that we use in our communities, if we use that to other other races and stuff like that, they really wouldn't know what we're talking about. It would just be it would be a circus, or or it would be like almost like it'll be like making a mockery of ourselves. Right. And in my opinion, so it's definitely. I feel like I, I have to do that. I have to mirror. I have to. I don't want to say emulate, but I mean in sales. In sales, it's it's strategy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just thinking strategically mm-hmm. and knowing what you have to do. Is yeah. it manipulation? Possibly. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just a part of the game. Absolutely. You know, we all have to do what we have to do. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. For sure, for sure. Uh, I think this is going to be a rhetorical question for Dre, um, but uh, you know, as you know, everyone out there in the Wise community knows, I'm also an educator too. You know, this is my first year in the high school um, realm, but you know, prior, you know, I taught two years uh, middle school English language arts through Teach for America. You know, in a predominantly African American and Latino community in Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut, and I'm not gonna lie, like, you know, I think Dre has something there when he says, like, you know, like, you bring your whole self to work, so you gotta know when to switch it up, so I know for me, you know, I can totally co-switch and, you know, conduct myself and, and, and speak, you know, SAE, right, which stands for Standard American English, and, you know, have that, you know, you know, and use that uh, type of vernacular when, you know, um, when conversing with my coworkers and whatnot. But then at the same time, I ain't going to lie to, to y'all both. I do sometimes kind of feel away. Not feel away. What am I saying? Not feel away, but I do kind of notice myself or like, it's kind of like that, that, that double consciousness, right? That W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, you know, his, uh, his whole concept on double consciousness where like, you know, I'm talking to my coworkers one way and then when my students come up to me, they're like, yo, what's good, mister? And I start talking to them a certain type of way and I'm like, yo, what's good? Like, yo, How's your, how's your classes going or this and that and then I'm like yo get out of here you know you be lying you be fronting and then when I see like a white teacher or someone around I'm just like dang I'm like they're really hearing me talk with these kids like 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 how you know how we how we speak you know African American vernacular English you know or, or slang as they call it so I'm just like I hope they don't see me as a certain way or they're not like 
they're not biased towards me because of it or, or because of that they think I have a you know a leverage up with these kids or whatnot but then part of me is like nah bro like you you know even though you're not from Hartford you can go to Philly you can go to Chicago you can go to Miami and you would still be speaking the same way with these kids like that's a part of you you're from Southside Jamaica Queens that's where you come from um, so you know you can't feel no type of ways about it but the reason why I bring that up is because I wanted to know Dre like do you consciously think like, I know you don't but you know if there are you know uh, administration around or what your fellow white peers are around do you do you think about it like dang man they're they're hearing my improper speech my improper grammar all that man absolutely not let me tell you when i got i told you uh i just started in a new network this year of schools and um i actually got hired pretty late so like um i got hired like a week before the school year started and i got onboarded pretty fast so like my first day at the job you know the principal is a white jewish woman and um now, don't get me wrong, a lot of my co-workers are black people, mm. but then, like, mm-hmm. you know, the leadership, the leadership, you know, is white, and there, there, there is a significant white presence to the point where if you felt any kind of way about being your whole self as a black person, you would probably want to conceal it. But my first day in the job, bro, and, you know, the principal introduced me and asked me to say a few words, man, my speech was something like this, yo, it's nice to meet all of y'all. I mean, it's going to be a whole vibe. I'm looking forward to getting this work done. I know the kids that y'all work with. I know the challenges we face, and I'm just here ready to get down to business. So let's do it. You know, like, and wow. that, that was my introduction to my, to the people I work with. Um, and every the entire staff was there, principal down to the paraprofessionals. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, for me, it's also kind of a gift, though, because my, my general disposition, I'm not the most... Um, off-putting person. I'm not very abrasive. You know, I am. I do think I'm a. I'm well-spoken. I do think I'm approachable. So, in general, like my disposition is pretty welcoming, even if I don't try to act white or you know make myself palatable for a white audience. Um, I'm not necessarily coming off as that offensive black person or that censored black person anyway, which also then does like create a certain distance within myself. Like, yo, am I not real enough? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But generally, just being myself, I don't really, those are not really issues I have. Right, right. Excellent. Mark, uh, you, you want to um, comment on that? You have any thoughts on that before we move on to our next yeah, segment? I mean, yeah, I can totally respect that. Just, you know, being yourself 100% of the time because uh, that's not something many people can do. I mean, whether they feel like there's repercussions or they just don't have the confidence to do it. But, uh, you know, that being said, some would say, you know, they could possibly be judging you. But at that point, you know, I don't think you really care what their opinions are. You're just trying to get get the work done and get, you know, complete your mission. So I can totally respect that. If, if I wouldn't have done it, I would say that would be a mistake. But, you know, we all have our, our differences in... Uh, know the way we approach things for sure the thing is if it the thing why i don't think it would have been a mistake and why if had the situation been different i might have felt a little more pressure to be more conscious of what i said and how i introduced myself but seeing the way i was even welcomed there and like you know catching on to the vibe that was already in that space i just kind of felt that i could be myself more one of the things that this network um is big on is relationships and uh, right. not just not just systematic protocol and so in order to build relationships ultimately you have to be yourself because if you fake it then you're doing yourself a disservice trying to help this other person and not everybody i'm not i'm not going to be able to be every kid's favorite teacher 
or every kid's mentor or even connect with every kid. That's a fact. But for those who my personality will benefit, then that's who, who I'm here for. I'm not trying to save the fucking world. Excuse me. I don't know if I'm talking right. No, it's fine. It's fine. You're good. You're good. All good. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Honestly, um, I know, Mark, you have to go in a couple of minutes. This actually uh, segues into our... Um, our second segment of the show today and I'm actually gonna Andre you can respond um, after Mark is done responding because uh, I kind of you okay. know want to get Mark to respond to get him out of here uh, dang man I really wish Mark could have stuck around the whole show today but you know he gotta he gotta hustle um, cool so you brought up the word Dre or the term sorry you brought up the term systematic protocol I really like that and it's so funny how it actually segues into our next uh, segment our next segment is called bias uh, bias and racial discrimination in society for black men again bias and racial discrimination in society for black men so I came across this story uh, this morning actually um, I had the segment for a while but I came across a story about a lieutenant uh, lieutenant uh, maybe you guys have heard about this story uh, lieutenant Edwin Raymond um, again <laughs> lieutenant Edwin Raymond he's a Haitian American uh, lieutenant officer uh, for the NYPD and he uh, he is suing he uh, he is suing the the police department for discrimination in the New York City subways. So get this: multiple police officers in Brooklyn are saying that they were told by a commander that white and Asian people should be left alone, and any other men, black and Latino, are targets and should be targeted for stop and frisk. Mark, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's terrible. Um, to say the least. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's not something we didn't we didn't know was going on, but the fact that it's highlighted is it's amazing. Man. It truly is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I really don't have any words for that. That's insane. That's but that's what we've been experiencing for years. So absolutely really surprised, but it's just amazing that you know there's actual proof. Right. Right, right. So, uh, I'm, so I'm going to read this extra quote here uh, from um, Officer Grable. This, so again, so this is all in the New York Times, in this New York Times um, article. Officer Grable, who is black, asked, uh, would you have been more comfortable if these guys were black or Hispanic? Now, the reason why he asked that question was because he went into an Asian community where they usually ride the subways, and he started targeting them. And uh, the... Um, the inspector name I think his name is Inspector Sackis. Uh, he said uh, yes um, in response to what he asked. So he he was de not de no degrading is not a good word. He was belittling or riding Officer Grable, uh, Inspector S uh, Sackis, because of the fact that he was targeting the Asians and he was like, no, leave them alone. That's not what we're after. He was like he and so he basically said yes. I would be more appreciative and comfortable if you were you know going after guys who are black or Hispanic. Uh, Dre, uh, you'd like to chime in your thoughts on that? Man, it's like, just like I said, it's, it's a few words for that because we know that type of stuff is going on. But um, as opposed to like being upset about it, man, I'm happy that, you know, those brothers, because I have, I have a lot of dissonance towards police officers, you know, especially black officers now with like, you know, civil rights and all of that stuff. I understand the importance of our, us having our own people in law enforcement, you know, for the same reason why we need our own selves in education. But um, it, it, I, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, homie felt 
felt the confidence and the security to go ahead and speak out because it does take a lot of courage to speak out on issues like that that you know is wrong and to bring light to it, knowing all repercussions could come from it. Um, but uh, it that that's that's crazy. You know, what I mean, that's crazy. I don't think I don't think I would, or I don't think anybody should feel better being told you know to target anybody. Unless like we're at war and you know you know you have enemies, which is like is that's what this is? Is this a war against us? Like are we at war against the people that are supposed to just look out for our general safety? Like why are we all assumed to be criminals or to be dangerous? You know what I mean? So um, that that that's also like another reason, like you know why I say within myself, why a part of me being my whole self is knowing how to be. At certain times and when and where, because it's just you know you got targets on your back and people mm. looking at you like, hey, watch him, he just might, you know. So yeah, it's it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I've I've kind of just learned to, to deal with that and just you know learn to protect myself. And I just wish that everybody had their own mechanism. Yeah, uh, Mark, any last words in terms of responding back to Dre sounding off? And then once you're done, you could pretty much you know excuse yourself because I know you gotta go. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. I mean. It's a tough thing where they, you know, I believe they mentioned Brooklyn specifically, right? Yeah, Brooklyn specifically. Mm-hmm. At a time where, you know, the area is being gentrified, they're attempting to push the minorities out. It's ironic that they are targeting them when it comes to petty and low-level offenses. I mean, there's, you know, there's many ways to push people out of a neighborhood, whether it's, you know, raising the rents, you know, increasing... You know, harassment when it comes to police interaction. There's many ways to push someone out gently, you know? Right. So, who's to say that could be one of the tactics to clean up the neighborhood and, and you know, keep the gentrification of that, you know, of that borough happening at a, at a faster rate? So, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It definitely does. For sure. Uh, Mark, I'm going to allow you some breathing room to excuse yourself, man, before you get at me for keeping you on too long. <laughs> Gotcha. Absolutely. It's definitely great talking to you, brothers. I look forward to speaking to you guys again. For sure. Well, yeah, definitely, great. I appreciate it, man. I wish we had more time. Absolutely. We'll do it another time for sure. For sure. Yes, right. For sure. Enjoy, guys. All right, Mark. Thank you, man. Yeah, Dre. So, um, so ladies, ladies and gents, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, if you were tuned in since the beginning of the pod- podcast, Mark had to go. Unfortunately, uh, something came up business-wise, so he had to go in and get that done. Um, but definitely, you know, if we're lucky enough to um, have Dre, um, you know, in his spare time once again down the line, hopefully we can attack another topic, so that would be great. Um, but, yeah, so, Dre, I still have you for the rest of the show, so definitely I want to build upon this with you if that's okay. Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it. For sure, for sure. Um, cool. So, yeah, man, so... It's interesting, right? And and I I wanted to harp on a point that you brought up or that you made. Um, I remember when we were going to Brooklyn College, there was uh, a a particular time. um, I remember I was I left class real late. Well, not class real late, but I left the school real late. I kind of got you know caught up and you know lost track of time because I was studying and whatnot. I was in the library, and uh, I probably was heading home like around eleven, eleven thirty. Now, mind you, I'm tired, whatever, whatnot. Um, and I and and at the time I was living in Queens, you know, I was staying by my mom's crib, and so what's crazy is that you know I was like, yo, 
I'm about to miss this train. I gotta make it, so I'm you know I'm running to hop on the two train, and I got on it. But like you know, like how you you know when you enter one part of the subway, like you enter the first uh, uh, the the first car, but you really don't want to stay in the first car. You want to keep pushing through and go all the way down as as much as possible to like other cars, so that way when you get off a certain stop, you know that's gonna lead to uh, towards like the elevator or somewhere you can go up and catch another train. So I was doing that, right? I was probably going through like five, six cars. And then I noticed um, after I got to one car, you know, there was a there was a cop there. And I was like, oh, crap. I was like, damn. I was like, damn. I hope he didn't notice that I just went through that door. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play it cool and just act as if nothing's happened. Because if I, you know, if I act guilty, then obviously I'm going to look guilty. So I remember I was sitting down and he was standing up towards, you know, standing up at the door. And then I think when the when the train stopped the following stop I don't remember where it was it could have been it could have been uh, Nostrand or it could have been um, uh, Eastern Parkway one of those stops man I really don't remember but I remember he stopped I remember when the train stopped you know he looked at me and then he kind of like wagged his finger you know for me to, he just basically beckoned me over towards him and he's like could you step off the train with me for a second I was like oh crap I was like boy I was like he gonna give me a summon so I got off the train with him he sat me down and then he was like, do you know why I stopped you? And I was like, no, sir, I have no clue. And then he was like, he said, I stopped you because you ran, he was like, you, you went through the through the car. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, officer. Um, he's like, you didn't know you can do that? I was like, honestly, I did, but, you know, I, you know, I really wasn't thinking. I'm just tired and I want to get home and I apologize for it. He's okay, so why don't, why don't you just sit down on this bench, you know, for a second, you know. And I was like, all right, cool. So he sat me down on the bench, you know, I sat down there and he didn't do anything like he looked Dre he literally sat me down on the bench he didn't say anything to me and he just like just looked at me and then he started looking around and I'm like wait I've been here for like two three minutes now why isn't he doing anything so I said alright cool and I was like officer is it okay if I take out my book he's like yeah sure thing sure thing so then I took out my book and I started reading it and I was like I don't know what man, what game this man is playing but you know I'm not going to play into any game he got going on so I'm reading my book reading my book and then about nine ten minutes pass, passes by and in, inside of my heart Joy, I'm livid I'm furious I'm like yo he's wasting my time what is he expecting what is he trying to get out of me but I'm like, you know what, Kev, just you're this is the dynamic that you know that you put yourself in and this is the framework of what it is right now. So you just kinda just gotta like relax. And then I think another minute passed. So overall, Dre, it's been twelve minutes and then he's like, Hey, like, you know, you seem like a pretty cool kid, whatever, whatnot. You know, I'm gonna let you off with a warning and then he's like, Here, here's a summons, you know, uh, you know, for going through the car. I advise you not to do that next time. He's like, If you wanna you know, defend yourself and you wanna um, argue against it, you know, here's the courts, you can you know, you can call them up or you can visit them and try to get an appeal or whatever whatnot and I was like okay cool and then he was like well that's it pretty much he's like have a great night and then he went about his way and he left like he literally exited the turnstile and I was like did I just fulfill one of his quarters is that what this was but I could not believe it man like I don't know could you like I know you weren't there but what's your thoughts on that could you break down that situation for me or what do you think about it what's your honest thoughts on it yeah yeah I think I, I, I honestly you said the part about he stopped and looked around for me. I forgot that you was telling a story that, like, I forgot you was the person in the story. And I'm like, oh, shit, is this nigga about to get killed? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit, you alone in the train station with this cop that night. Nobody around is looking around. I'm like, it's not just, you know, violate you. That's, that's what I, when my, my mind started going. Mm -hmm. But um, like you said, he might have been just trying to fill his quota. 
you know, man, these cops. And then also, he might have just, like, you know, targeted you because that's what he was told to do. Like, you know, um, had he seen, like, an Asian person coming through the train selling batteries and moving like trees, he probably wouldn't have said nothing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, I wasn't there. Right. But, um, and, you know, and, and I know I, I mentioned earlier the way I feel about police and um, what was what was this cop's race? White. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was white, you know. And, like, you know, I think you handled it well. He probably was waiting for you to like start bugging out so he could give you a disorderly conduct. That's what I was thinking. And even push your shit further. Yeah. You know, but um like you said, you acknowledged that you knew he wasn't supposed to walk in your car, so that was like that mission of killing in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, um but um man, yeah, that that that, that whole thing, I mean it, it's crazy, man. I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad that was in the past and that you handled it the way you did. But man, like, I hate, I hate that whole. And that's the thing, like the systematic protocol. These cops have to hit certain numbers, you know, and um, it, it really makes them abuse their power and um, and like take things out of proportion. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. lot of times, there's no need for that. Um, but you know, like you said, they got to get their numbers. They got to show that they're being vigilant. Yeah, and that's how they do it. I have a question for you, man. Have you gotten a chance, bro, to go see um, to head to the theaters to go see uh, Queen and Slim yet? I haven't seen Queen and Slim yet. Okay, so I'm not. So we're not gonna go into that part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> when you do it, brother, I would love to talk to you about it one day. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. I think from the previews, I know what it's about, though. Yeah. Like, let's not let's not get into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll save that for another day, another episode. Um, cool. Um, but. I have another I had another point as a backup you know just in case you weren't able to go there with me um so yeah so with that being said man you, you know you brought up that pretty good point which made me pretty much relay my story onto you and you know obviously you know coming from this article and uh reading um you know uh lieutenant uh you know Edwin Raymond's story and and him you know um you know filing a lawsuit against the NYPD in regards to this discriminatory practice, I wanted to connect it back to um, our jobs as educators, um, you know, of youth, you know, men of, uh, young men of color. Um, you, you know, again, I, I don't think I, ha- I don't think I've heard, I don't think I've heard um, another young man such as yourself, you know, who's also an artist, who, who's also, you know, who also comes, you know, from, you know, an, an impoverished, you know, neighborhood and low-income community, um, talk about bringing your whole self into the mainstream society the way you do, in the sense that, you know, you can be yourself, you can be from the hood, you can be of the hood, but at the same time, you know that you got to switch it up at certain moments, and that's, that in itself is still um, a component, an aspect of who you are as a person, in order to survive, in order to make it in America, and in, and in order to, you know, be present. So, how how do you go about or how do we go about as educators and just anybody, mentors, how do we go about instilling that into our youth, into our young boys? Because, man, like, I know you didn't see Queen and Slim, but like like you said, there's many instances where it can go the exact opposite. Like, you know, even now we have kids in schools, you know, who don't want to deal, you know, with administration because of, you know, I don't want to say biased practices, but, you know, but because of the disciplinary policies that are instilled and that are in place. And because of that, you know, you know, young black men, you know, they, they want to revolt, you know, they're very belligerent and, you know, they, you know, they, 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 they definitely uh, start acting, you know, a bit unruly or, or in our terms, just bugging out, you know, when they shouldn't. Um, so what do you think about that? 
that is that something that you worry about, or is that something that you even think about as an educator, and and you practice in terms of mentoring and talking to you to instill a sense of um, uh, calmness and a, st and a sense of understanding of how to navigate and to uh, you know interact in that situation, whether whether it be a cop or any person of authority. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, especially when I worked in high school, I was um, I had a heightened level of like fear about the world that I was sending these kids out into because um, a lot of them, you know, really, um, you know, read below grade level. Um, their writing skills aren't that well, and you can just you can just kind of see that without like serious like you know intervention and support, like you can already tell like. Not to say because, you know, everybody has talents that we don't know about and you know what's going to come of them. But um, you just, you kind of see certain behaviors in kids that make you worry. Like, man, like, I'm trying to show you I care for you, like, in a nice way. Um, but you, you don't accept that. Like, you only respect, like, force and violence, you know, in terms of discipline. And I think that's something, like, that's another thing that, like, we were kind of brought up with that makes it hard, um, especially for black people and black men to, um, to, to kind of like let go of that need for, for violence and aggression to, to control us, where we should be like just motivated by wanting to like get better in, in every way, but I think the connection to the system of being like something that was instilled by white oppressors, you know, um, turns people off from it, you know, from like being educated, from getting good jobs, and it's like, there's like a certain level of, of admiration for going against the system, you know, and, and I can understand that, and like I get it, um, but yes, I do, I do try to like talk to my kids in a way where it's like, look man, I'm not trying to tell you not to be yourself, the last thing I would want to do is strip you of your personality and make you feel like you need to act a certain way to please anybody, but for your own safety, you might just need to be more aware and conscious of like how you might be perceived or how um, just the way society treats us. Um, because you're in these spaces where you are protected so much, especially in schools, despite all of the disciplinary practices and the inherent racist policies, you know, such as if you miss this many days, you get left back or, you know, like certain things like that. Um, but um, I definitely, I definitely try to like just talk to the kids, especially like the boys about like, yo, because, you know, like who knows how many of them have the right men in their life talking any kind of sex to them yeah. outside of school yeah you know? yeah absolutely absolutely um no you make you bring up a great point for sure um you know um again you're an artist you know um and you know you bring multiple uh, pieces of yourself into the classroom. Um, you're a very, you're a very talented, multi, multifaceted um, guy. Uh, I'm curious. Um, absolutely, bro. Um, you know, real recognize real. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious in regards to your practices um, and your pedagogy as an educator. Do you? Um, and we, uh, the reason why I'm asking this is because we actually had um, a rapper, we had a musician um, on the show um, a while back, and even though he is not a teacher such as yourself or an educator, he still uh, brings programs um, into schools as after-school programs such as, like, I know he does a producing music program called um, um, Business Behind Music to, learn, to, to aid kids and help them learn how to not only write but also make 
mix, master, record, and produce, and you know, so he brings like a whole entire music component to it. I'm interested. Do you uh, do anything similar to that um, as an educator? And if so, why is hip hop important? And um, should it be, um, in, in terms of your perspective, should it be um, incorporated within education in the curriculum um, of uh, you know impoverished, low-income communities where kids most identify with hip hop? Um, so no, nah, I don't. I don't run any like after-school programs, um, especially not now. Like as I just started at this new school, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get like my feet under me and like just really focus on doing a good job teaching and you know just building those relationships with the kids as my job requires. Yeah. Um, but in terms of bringing like music into the classroom, like I I rap for my kids all the time. Like you know, um, we have little breaks in class or. Even um, when I introduce myself, or sometimes like in a lesson, I'll I'll kick off the the lesson with like a little rap, mm-hmm. and because you know, some, but you gotta kind of with the age group I work with, mm-hmm. they get so out of control. Like they love it, you know, and you love the excitement and the way they receive it. But sometimes it gets a little crazy. That's just like oh man, like and then you lose time. But then like that's the that's where the system starts to come in because it's like the pressure to now make sure you're teaching all of this material kind of does reduce the amount of joy that you can even have in the classroom mm-hmm. especially like when you're working with a certain age group of kids um but i do think that when you're working with and i don't want to just say like impoverished communities man because there's a lot of like white communities that's mad poor worse off than us mm-hmm. you know what I mean? but mm-hmm. working with urban black kids yeah i do think it's important that you have curricular resources that connect to their culture such as hip-hop and stuff mm-hmm. like that but um i don't think um but then you know what there is a certain um there is some credit i guess to using the term impoverished because of where hip-hop started from but now the genre is like there's so many there's so many different avenues of hip-hop that i think depending on the, the like the community you're actually serving you do have to like kind of be um, very wary of the music that you're allowing the kids to like buy into for example like um, like all of the gang bang and stuff and the drill stuff is real popping and a lot of the times the kids don't even like know what, what it's about but they're coming up of age and a time where it's becoming more and more popular again but at the same time you know if that's that's we came up listening to hip-hop at a time when it was crazy itself um because then it changed and it goes through its phases but i don't ever think that especially as people of one fabric that we should try to wear different cloth to now to bring up our our youth like we definitely need to teach them new new skills and try to make them go further but as me being a supporter of hip-hop i definitely don't think we should ever try to take it away mm-hmm. but um just frankly the the use of it in schools um it, it could go a lot of different ways you know like i'm not going to sit here and say hell yeah you know rapping class all day but you definitely like I, just think about i know a teacher said this to you before at some point like you could remember the rap lyrics but you can't remember this or can't remember oh yeah and you know like that rhyme that rhythm all of that you know plays a part in memory and learning so if you took some of like the aspects of music specifically um 
and a repetitive genre like hip hop, where it's just a lot of hoops and hoops and hoops. Mm -hmm. I do think there's a lot of benefits in that in, in the learning process. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's really good. That's really really good. And um, I appreciate you, man, um, correcting me. Um, I, I think sometimes what happens is you can kind of lose. Uh, you can kind of have a limited scope or you can kind of be one-sided or see something a certain way when you're trying to fit in context. So I, I appreciate you uh, correcting me. I don't, you know, rise community out there, I don't want anyone, you know, and y'all know I'm an educator, so I don't even expect the most from me, but I don't want you guys to think that I'm excluding, um, you know, any uh, white impoverished communities. I know that they exist and I, don't, and I know that they're out there. Um, but, you know, again, Dre and myself were two young black men and we cater to uh, children of color in urban communities. So I kind of wanted to highlight that. But I'm not going to lie. I do admit in hindsight that can get lost. So, Dre, I appreciate you for that too, making sure that's noted out there. I think it also, what it does is not only it uh, reinforces your, uh, your social awareness and your self awareness, but it also, uh, you know, reinforces minds as well to make sure. That that, that 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 in itself is known, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and I also wanted to just highlight. That, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just because we are black people living in the communities we do, and you know there is a, lo a lot of the times the reason for it seeming so impoverished is because of you know the people who actually own it and are in control, not upkeeping it properly, and then us just not having the power within it to do much. But there's a lot, man, there's a lot of, of, of promise and good business and great ideas. Like poverty, poverty, I know, you know, it refers mostly to, like, economic, um, you know, uh, having a lack of economic resources and all that. But poverty just means having a lack thereof, period. And what we don't lack is hustle. You know what I mean? What we don't lack is creativity. You know what I mean? What we don't lack is, like, family pride and all of that stuff um so and i just wanted to make that point that like yeah yeah we're black and we're living together in these communities and most of us don't have the same upward mobility as our white counterparts right but, um i don't i don't want to just describe the general uh setting of black communities as impoverished absolutely Absolutely, agree a hundred percent. Man, I'm, I, I really like um, where we're going here. So, again, we're still we're still talking racial discrimination um, and bias within society. Um, before we uh, head into our third and final segment of the day, I, you know, I definitely want to stay on this for a little bit. Um, so, uh, follow me right here, Dre. So, I'm going to make a comparison between two separate uh, black men, and then we're going to tie it back into this uh, conversation about uh, discrimination and bias. Sounds good? Yes, sir. Okay, so there's a, there's there's a there's a piece, there's a New York Times piece that I teach in my classes, uh, whether it's at the middle school level, high school level, or even right now as an adjunct professor at the college level. Um, there, there are two pieces in particular that I teach, and for, for the most part, I think it resonates across all three sectors. Um, so there's this writer, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, um, his name is uh, Brent Staples, have you ever heard of him? No, I have not. So Brent Staples uh, is a journalist, right? He writes for the New York Times. Uh, he won a Pulitzer Prize, I think, back in 1993 or somewhere in the early 90s, I think. Um, you know, just for great journalism. And so Brent Staples, I think back in the 70s, was a PhD grad student at the University of Chicago, right? 
He was 22 years old at the University of Chicago, and he would often walk, you know, at night. You know, he would often hit the streets and walk at night to kind of just like clear his mind, because you know, him being a, a, a grad student at the U of Chicago, one could only imagine how stressful that was, right? Um, but what happened to him one day was that, you know, uh, as he was walking late at night, um, a a young lady, a young a young white woman that was walking in front of him, she turned, she kind of turned her back, you know, uh, a little bit, and then now she sees this 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 tall black man. I think he stood about six feet two, and he had a beard and long black hair, so I think he had locks. And so when she saw him, she kind of you know braced herself and then ran across the street and he was looking at her kind of confounded and kind of lost as to why she you know why she did that but then he realized oh like you know he started to realize like oh even though I know I'm a harmless person and you know I don't carry weapons or I'm not violent in any way you know I have to understand the optics you know she's a young white woman it's around 11 o'clock at night and I'm walking the streets and here she is all alone so of course she gets scared um, but then he says that that first encounter in itself you know was not uh, the only one right so it says here let me see in that first year during uh, in that first year during my time at the University of Chicago you know I would cross in front of cars at traffic lights and hear thunk 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 thunks of the drivers locking up their car doors whether black white male or females um, in general on less traveled streets after dark I grew accustomed to but never comfortable with people who crossed to the other side of the street rather than past me then there was the standard unpleasant unpleasantries with police doormen um, bouncers cab drivers and others whose business is to screen out troublesome individuals before there's any nastiness right and then when he moved to New York he talked about running into a building one time right he was running into a building because he was a journalist and he w and he was literally meeting a deadline um, for uh, the press and as he ran into the building um, the security guards uh, they ran after him because he, he didn't even sign in or say he was he was a guest they ran after him and I think they got two two guard dogs to, 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 to haul him down and to pin him and to identify him and to see who he was um, I'm, I'm, I don't know there's a lot in here to peel apart and to kind of unpack what are your what are your thoughts about that um, and, and when we're talking discrimination racial discrimination and bias what are your thoughts about that whether it be you know him being a grad student that night and walking the streets and you know this white woman being terrified or him just maneuvering throughout the city of Chicago or New York and people locking their car doors when they look at him for his size his height you know his dreaded locks you know him being 6'2 you know not knowing anything about this man in terms of where he comes from how educated he is how smart he is what do you Thing. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it shows, for one, like the ignorance of other people and the fear, but at the same time, right now, some of these people might have gone through traumatic experiences and just might just be traumatized in general, and you know, who knows how they act. So I, I try not to take anything too personal when I see somebody. For example, like, cause I don't, I don't think I put fear in anybody's heart when I'm walking towards them, walking behind them, or they, you know, anything like that. Um, but then that's just, of course, me knowing myself and knowing that I ain't out looking to harm nobody. I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, nothing like that. Yeah. And, um, uh, but, you know, so, 
but it's like at the same time, like I remember, like, you know, I used to like see people and think like, yo, damn, like, why the hell they look so angry or, you know, what the hell is they problem? But who the hell knows? Like, that's, that is a good question. Why the hell are they? What the hell is bothering them? You know, and um, I think people just like assume, you know, are just quick to assume and forget, you know, so much how much they they come off to other people i think you know it's unfortunate for that brother that he had that experience so many times but i can relate to that like i feel like um just recently like it was late at night i was crossing it it was like a big street you know how some streets it'd be like a whole big ass street where it's like traffic could go six different ways yeah so, yeah 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 you might you might, you might cross it kind of funny like just yeah just to get your own benefits just to get across just to get across yeah right? And then crossing the street that way, you might walk past somebody's car, around it, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I definitely feel like I was jaywalking the other day in a similar fashion. And I heard somebody, like, you know, you know, lock their car door. Like, <laughs> really? You know what I mean? Like, really? You know what I mean? But, you know, whatever. Um, I, you know, fine. Maybe, maybe at that point they just realized their door wasn't locked yet. And me crossing the street just reminded them. I don't, they didn't have to necessarily be scared of me, right? Like, for my own peace of mind, I try not to assume that somebody did something strictly because I made them feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because then, like, just me being the type of person I am, I would be, like, too, too negatively affected. Um, as as this brother was, Mr. Uh, Professor Staples, Brent Staples. Yes. And I probably want to write a book about it, but um, just like for me personally, um, those kind of experiences are just kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to say more empowering because it's like, you know, fuck it. At least you notice me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the same time, I don't want to be noticed for that. Um, it, it, it just it just sucks. But like I I definitely understand. And for one, like when now I go to work sometime, I'll be you know suited up, suited and booted. But a lot of times, like I'm dressed like semi casual. And once I leave work and I put on my jacket, time I do rag for my headphones and my hoodie on, you, there's no telling where I'm coming from. Like you know, like mm-hmm. and. If, if I stop or like let's say I'm reading a book or something or I just end up sparking a conversation and it comes out that I'm a teacher everybody I talk to's first reaction is surprise or they say something like you don't look like no teacher or I would have never thought you was a teacher right you know? and I love that shit bro yeah I love that for sure I love that you know? for sure some people um just get off on different things and I kind of get off on like being misunderstood right Honestly, bro it's kind of Kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Excellent. Um, I love that you mentioned that. I I think this is a perfect time to follow this up with this. So, this is pretty much the end of the article where we're at right now with Brent Staples. But he says, um, and I kind of want to tie this back into a personal experience of mine that I just had yesterday with, with, my, with my girl. Um, he says, uh. I began to take precautions to make myself less threatening. I move about with care, particularly late in the evening. I give a wide berth to a nervous, um, to nervous people on subway platforms during the wee hours of the night, uh, particularly when I have exchanged business clothes for jeans. If I happen to be entering a building behind some people who appear skittish, I may walk by, letting them clear the lobby before I return, so as not to seem to be following them. I have been calm and congenial on those rare occasions where I've been pulled over by the police uh and then he says later on and on and on late evening constitutionals along streets less traveled 
I employ what has proved to be an excellent tension-reducing measure. I whistle melodies from Beethoven and from Beethoven and Vivaldi and the more popular classical composers. Even steely New Yorkers hunching toward nighttime destinations seem to ease and relax, and and, and occasionally they even join in the tune when they hear me uh, whistling this. Virtual, virtually everybody seems to sense that a mugger wouldn't be warbling bright, sunny select, uh, wouldn't be uh, warbling bright, sunny selections from Vivaldi's Four Seasons. It is my equivalent of the cowbell that hikers wear when they are in bare country. Now, I think it's interesting that he says that, right? That he brings up, you know, classical uh, classical composers such as Beethoven and Vivaldi uh, to prove a point or to kind of conform and integrate himself within society to make those that don't look like him feel more comfortable. And so yesterday, my girl and I, we went to Chipotle and we were just grabbing a bite to eat. And I'm, I'm definitely going to get Chipotle after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chipotle's a spot, yo. Shout out to Chipotle. We've, we've actually, Mark and I have actually mentioned Chipotle a couple of times on this podcast. But yeah, so, you know, my girl and I, we got Chipotle last night, you know, just before heading to the gym to go work out. And, bro, we're leaving Chipotle. And this uh, this uh, this young white fellow, um, this white man, opens and I and I hate to use terms like that to describe someone, right? Like a black man or a white man, but you know that's what he was. He opens the door because he see he's he's trying to come in, but he sees us coming out. And you know I'm genuinely just a really nice dude, bro. So he opens the door, and I'm like, oh no, I'm like you were at the door way before we were coming out. I was like, come on in. And then he was like, no, like and literally we stood there, bro, for like ten seconds. And then when he saw I wasn't budging, he eventually came in. And then as he was coming in, you know. I smiled and then my girl smiled behind me and then he was like oh thank you so much I was like no I was like thank you I was like have a great night and a great weekend he was like you too you guys too and then my girl was like yes you too and he walked out and then as we were heading to the, towards the car I was looking at my girl I was like I don't know why I do that but I feel as if every time you know I'm in a really nice area with respectable people I feel as if I have to go to the max and the next level and conform and like if I was in a black, you know, neighborhood, I wouldn't do that. But if I see white folk in a very nice place, I feel as if, like, I have to not be subservient to them, but kind of show them, like, hey, I'm not, you know, ghetto. I'm not threatening. You know, come on in. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you that, you know, we're all not bad or whatever the case may be. And then she was like, mm, I don't know. I don't even think he was thinking that. Now, it's so funny that she said that because I thought the opposite. I was like, I don't know. I feel as if the kind of look he gave me was a look of relief. Like, ah, all right. He's actually a cool guy. All right. This is a cool Negro right here. But, you know, the... But but maybe it was just in my mind, right? But I always feel that way, Dre. I, I, she doesn't really think about it that much, you know. She like, cause she, you know, you know, a story for another day. But my girl pretty much went to pri private school all her life, so she knows how to navigate and maneuver around those spaces like that. Me, no, I grew up, you know, you know, and lived, born and raised in black community all my life. So my only time really, you know communicating or really you know uh you know living within the dwelling of them or around them is like um you know college like that's like really like the only thing or just working right now so for me it was just kind of crazy but i think it's interesting that sometimes you know black folks or maybe this is my opinion if you disagree please feel free to disagree i feel that sometimes we feel the need to conform to adapt or adjust you know our mannerisms or to make them feel comfortable in order to uh live you know within their presence or to just make them feel at ease. What do you think? What's your thoughts about that? Whether about my piece or about um, uh, Professor Staples' piece of, as well, in terms of whistling Vivaldi and whatnot. Yeah, I want to speak to both of those. Um, to, to your latter question about just black people feeling like the need to conform in white spaces, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I think we've all been guilty of it. And by we, I mean any black person that 
has ever kind of like been successful in any kind of white space like um for the most part there's always and not always but there is usually some level of yeah like i i'm i'm a yeah i, I gotta go to work and you know and be around these 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 people and act the way you know i gotta act and even laugh at their corny ass jokes try their nasty ass food they make, like, <laughs> like, I, bro, I mean like all of that all of that is, is is like a part of it um even being interested in the the like problems they talk about like you know the term white people problems like white people come to work talking about they dog they dog sitter being late and and I'm like yo like, you know you understand what i'm saying and then like yeah. you sit there and like listen to these stories like our mother isn't being evicted at the right. same time but we don't talk about none of that right like, and being evicted from the crib that we grew up in and she lived in all her life and I mean, and um, going to court because these Jews want to raise the rent fifty thousand times. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and sorry, I, I really hope I'm not giving your podcast the wrong kind of kind of uh, political um, <laughs> edge right now. No, not at all. Speaking my truth. Not at all, man. Not at all. The pod, the, the wise community knows that there's uh, going to be a myriad of different, uh, you know, opinions and ideas yeah. from all sectors and from all guests. So they welcome this. If anything, when they hit you up or they thank you for coming on, you're going to get a lot of people clapping back at you or, or just getting at you. So it's all good, man. It's, it's, it's all good. Cool. It's all healthy conversation cool. for sure. Yeah. And um, so, like, I definitely know that that happens. Um, for me personally, um, I try to be nice all the time. Um, doesn't really matter who it is, but I do notice that, like, if, like, in the occasion of holding the door for a white person, their smile will seem peculiar, like, like, oh, thanks, I wasn't expecting this, like, like, you know, like, 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 if I could take a picture of their face, yeah, the words it would say is, oh, wow, this is a nice-ass nigga, he really held the door, ain't pushed past me, let me come in first, and it was like, I would do that for anybody, like, especially, like, a woman. But if I was particularly just like in a good mood, not in a rush, and you know, if logistically, like let's say I pulled the door open and somebody was about to walk in, it only makes sense that I hold the door, let them come in before I walk around and go out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of it's, course. It's just like it's just like the right of way and like rules of the road that I kind of operate by. Mm-hmm. Less about conformity, mm-hmm. just kind of more about like what makes sense, and then generally just you know general kindness. Like there's no reason not to say thank you or not to hold the door for somebody if they're about to walk in and you're already holding this shit open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about the whistling Vivaldi. So it's crazy. Um, in my prior teaching experience when I was at a high school, I co-taught 12th grade English. And uh, my co-teacher, he's a, also a very talented man. I hope um, he don't mind me saying his name, but Mr. Peter Lopez, mm-hmm. he's um, also like a painter. He actually painted this dope portrait for me that I got hanging up in my living room. But um, mm. um, 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 he had mentioned during one of our units, I think we were teaching, um, we was teaching the story. What's the book with Bigger Thomas? Oh, Nate, Nate of Sun. That's my that's my joint, man. A classic. Right? My favorite book. Right. So I think we was teaching, like right before we started teaching the book. You know how before you start teaching a new book in school, you read like some related material kind of just to give the kids context. So we was doing that, and we had read this text about this whistling Vivaldi thing, and maybe the guy, maybe I did hear a Brent Staples before, but until you mentioned whistling Vivaldi, I didn't recall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely remember like having intense dialogue with 
I don't remember if it was just in class or with the whole staff we talked about it, but how there's like this 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 survival tactic for black people to like kind of show that they understand white culture in order to not be perceived as a threat. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so like I've definitely um, heard that talk and like I've thought about that a lot. And then even like in myself, like uh, the way I carry myself, like a lot of times I think like, you know, am I not being black enough? Like, am I trying, am I trying too hard? Like to just, you know, to not seem threatening. But uh, you know, I kind of feel like that because if I'm walking down the street and I'm listening to like some some gangster music, nah, I'm gonna walk down and probably, you know what I mean? Like, just it, it really just depends on how I feel at the time. You know, in terms of how how I might come off to certain people, but just like knowing my intentions, I don't ever really worry about because I can easily take my headphones out and explain to somebody, "Hey, look, I- I'm sorry if my music is too loud and you can hear it; it's offensive." But I am in no way trying to bother you. You know what I mean? To put my headphones right back on and go about the way without even cursing at them, without even necessarily having to be aggressive. Right. Tells my looker, I'm not. You don't even. Exist, I barely even see you. For one, I can look over you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Out of here. But, right. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's um, it, it it just sucks that society has kind of put that certain pressure on on such a huge population of people, especially being of that population it kind of hits home mm-hmm. and it just um it, it's hard and bringing it back to education like when you try to like kind of teach kids how to be themselves but also protect themselves by not inviting negativity it becomes very complicated and it's like what am i actually telling this person to do yeah um, you know and ultimately i'm a person who doesn't like to tell people what to do but share my experiences and hope that something I said resonates with them and they can use it to their benefit. Excellent, 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 man. Wow. Um, hang in with, hang in there with me, Dre. We're almost done, but you know we pushing through. Um, no, Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm happy to hear that. I'm mm-hmm. really, really happy to hear that. Um, so I wanted to connect this right back into hip hop, man. Um, and uh, there's this uh, artist, man. I love when I say love, bro. Like I love this dude and. Oftentimes, I, I, you know, they're, they're in no way related, but I often like to teach both of their pieces uh, together because of the fact that, um, you know, both of their pieces talk about bias and racial discrimination. So I'm talking about Vince Staples, man. Do you listen to Vince at all? Yo, I don't listen to Vince Staples like that, bro. Bro, you got to get on Vince, man. If there's any, <laughs> if there's anywhere you need to start, I would start with uh, his first album, Summertime 06. That's right. that's the album I would recommend you listening to, and I know you got a flight real soon, so I know you know that that's that's definitely the one you're going to you, you're going to want to be bumping for sure. Um, okay, so that's, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I definitely got to like compile some some joints to listen to. Yeah, that. man. Yo, honestly, uh, all right, I don't want to be rambling here, but like Vince Staples, Vince Staples' Summertime '06 is one of my top. Is it, it's in my it's in my top five top five hip hop album of the decade. Like, swear to you, like. Real talk, dead ass. Um, but that's another talk for another day, actually. Um, yeah, so Vince Staples has a song on his album called Like It Is, um, on that first album. And in Like It Is, he's pretty much talking about 
he's pretty much talking about you know uh, racial bias, racial discrimination, and black masculinity in America um, itself. And throughout the song, you know, he has like these couple of interlude parts where he speaks towards you know where he came from in regards to his neighborhood and how you know um, and, and and how uh, white um, how do I say this white power structures perceives uh, young black men like him within his neighborhood. And I wanted to read these two interludes uh, from the song like it is to kind of uh, c compare it and as well as parallel it to the uh, Brent Staples article. Sounds good with you? Yeah. Alright, so I'm going to read them together and once I'm done reading them, I just want you to give me your response on to what you think Vince was trying to say or give your perspective or your take on it. So he says in the first interlude, when I was in seventh grade, my grandfather told me don't get caught loving the streets because they never going to love you back. But I feel like it's all we got, so it's all we really do love. At the end of the day, I feel like the problem is that the people that control it don't really come from here. So they can't do nothing but look down on us. We look at them, we see somebody that could help, but they look at us and all they see is a nigga. It don't really matter anyway. We all going to die one day, man. One day. And in the second interlude, he says, When most people look at a person who does what I do, they look at us with these preconceived notions as if it's a set way for us all to be. But we are people at the end of the day, so I wonder why we don't treat each other like it. You're looking at a person telling them that their story don't matter, but, um, but they're really no better than me walking down the streets trying to shoot at somebody. Because all we got is these dreams, man, and y'all ain't never had to not have nothing. And that's the last thing you want for anybody, is to not really have nothing at all. What do you think about that? either of those interludes. Um, if you could speak to a kid who's saying this in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, what would you say to them? Or what would you uh, what would you say to me or someone outside of the community and, 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 and say to that person as a response for that kid? I got a question first before before I, um, I answer that, like just to follow up because that was very deep. Shoot. Um, mm -hmm. and, and those those two intervals were on the same album you said, right? They're on, they're, they're on the same album and same song called Like It Is on Summertime 06, yep. So he says one in the beginning of the song and another one at the end? Yeah, so he has two verses and then an interlude and then another two verses and then that second interlude that I just gave to you. Okay, and you said them in order, so the first one was first and the second one he then said... Yes, yeah, so the first one is, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, damn, like, I think I got goosebumps listening to that, um, for real, I don't know, I'm also kind of cold right now, but I think, I think the goosebumps I got was from listening to what you just was reading, mm -hmm. um, uh, so, talking to a kid, what will be? What will my response be to a kid who says something like that? Yeah. What would your? So you could, we could do this two ways. You could tell me what your response would be talking to a kid who said something like that, and then you, you could also give a response to someone outside of the black community who is trying to uh, uh, comprehend what this kid is saying. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with the second part. Um, okay. Cool. I think. I think. Yeah. I think that's like what's most important because. Well, no. It's. It's. Damn, damn bro. Why you say this for the last? Gotta put you on the spot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it's 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 a hundred percent accurate what he's saying. You know, it's like as people, nobody like like even even the most the most greedy the most greedy drug lord who's willing to kill right to to for his empire. It's he also like takes care of the people in his community that they care about. Like so, 
I don't I think I don't think nobody wants to be in a position where they have to force somebody not to have nothing just for them to have nothing or to you know where they have to and this is going more to the second you know to what he said to wrap up that second interlude where at the end of the day we people and the worst thing to have to think about is somebody having nothing at all you know but the people controlling like the communities that we're living in and just controlling society right they um the capitalism as a system inevitably produces poverty and although poverty means not having enough sometimes you don't have nothing like for real like and that that that's just the whole systematic and like a that's a whole that's a problem around the world you know what I mean like and I think that's what's so important about hip hop is that it really talks about like the the real issues like not just how people like feel you know dealing with their reality but like the problems that's causing it and ironically also because in hip hop you know it's all about like you know getting that money that hustle that capitalism mm -hmm. my gang against your gang mm -hmm. but then we all talking about protecting each other but you know what I mean it, it, it's, it's a bit of hypocrisy in it right. um, and I was actually reading this article yesterday because Jay-Z just turned 50 yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was talking about 50 complicated things about Jay-Z's legacy and it was about you know how um, just what what he how he came to be and what he represented and all of the different things that worked in his favor in terms of him becoming what he is it it really does speak perfectly to um, how hip hop um, and and the communities that created it, you know, wow. really like kind of walk this fine line between destruction and what's the word I'm looking for? Destruction and uh, augmentation. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because the same ways that we're trying to better ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, we got you got to think about your weight. Like you know, like when a when you when you walk in water, you make the waves, and then those waves go. You got to think about the waves you create and as you move it about, and the ripple about, and like, the ripple effect that they, they cause. Yeah, the ripple that the butterfly effect is called or whatever. I just <laughs> yeah, you know, bro. All all this time, like I've been hearing people talk about the butterfly effect. I never really knew what it meant until like maybe two weeks ago. One of my coworkers was explaining it to me. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I swear to God, <laughs> like, uh, I didn't, you know, but I had an understanding, like, a concept, yeah, everything, like, you know, I know that everything has an effect on something, but I never really, um, understood the butterfly effect, and I digress. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, and then to the first thing he said about, like, yeah, like, man, we live in, it, at the end of the day all you got is is where you come from because anywhere you're trying to go you may not be accepted and fine you might not need to be accepted but like your man Mark was saying before he had to go there's so many ways of pushing people out of communities especially when they come from even if that's the community you're from right so with gentrification fine we're here but now other people want to take over for like the cultural aspects of because of the strategic whatever the market and all of that yeah and then so like the, the the powers that be will find ways to push you out but then like you know in the same way when you're you're, you're trying to climb that ladder 
and 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 go forward and move up and find you're made it you've established yourself and the people can't really get rid of you you know what i mean but they'll they, they they find a way or just like your man said that increased harassment that that constant oversight to the point where you like man forget this be like i'll go back to where i'm from where i know how to navigate where i know the waters yeah. you know what i mean where where you know what i mean where where where, where normal where normal to me is a life that most of y'all could never even survive mm -hmm. and i'm okay with that you know and mm -hmm. we don't want to have to um reduce our standards or settle for not not being as great as we possibly could be or want to be or enjoying the finer things in life but so much comes with that and a big part of it is um then becoming parallel with the people who you feel like are creating the problems for you and i think a lot of times as black people or successful black people and black men um there's a lot of pressure to not become like white men you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying yeah um and i don't know if i kind of started to get off topic but no no I sounds good kinda, yeah i just kind of still think that like what vince staples was saying in those interviews is that look man like we want we want to do all of this and and get out the hood and and do all of that but it's just like why like why do we want to leave our people so bad why can't we just fix it all up and you know what i mean because at the end of the day we're all people the only reason we have to resort to certain actions is because of the, the situations we're put in um but if we had the power we could fix it up and if those who were controlling it really understood us better i think we could make ourselves make each other even more powerful mm -hmm. but you know it's it's that 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 thing exists yeah yeah no absolutely bro <laughs> not for sure no nah, man that's that's really good i really really like that um wow man i feel as if uh the wise community out there got a lot of gems today just from uh you myself and you know the little bit of mark that we had unfortunately because he had you know he couldn't stay because he had to go i feel as if they really really got a lot out of it um before we go man um and you know we kind of close the show out uh mark and i we usually do this segment called word to the wise so i'm going to explain it to you real briefly so with word to the wise what we do is uh, we recap, you know, the show and leave the listeners with a word, uh, just one word, and then we expound upon that word and we explain why that word is important, you know, in terms of being geared towards our conversation or our topics for the day. So that way the listeners can get that wise word and really try to implement, you know, that word as a terminology and a practice within their own life, right? So um, I'm going, you know, since you're, since you're um, our guest for the day, I'm going to let you go first. So I'm going to start off. And again, our segment is called word to the wise uh, so for today's episode my word to the wise Dre is awareness and if I'm not mistaken I think I brought it up earlier in the show in regards to uh, you know being in Chipotle and just you know having awareness and even with the situations with the police and me having self-awareness so wise community out there wise guys wise gals I say awareness is my important word and um, and you know if you have gotten the chance to catch that movie Queen and Slim, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And even if you haven't gotten uh, a chance to see that movie or any movies that speak towards police brutality, um, but you, we've all seen, you know, over the past couple of years what have ha what has happened to the likes of, you know, uh, Eric Garner and, um, you know, Jordan Davis, you know, and I can go on and on and on, Mike Brown, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you need to be aware. And I think this is something that makes me really worried about our babies, about our kids in this country. It's 
is that oftentimes, you know, they're very um, apprehensive and rebellious towards uh, the institutions and as well as the, the powers of the institutions, the powers that be, whether that be police and law enforcement of all types and all kinds. And you can see that rebellious nature in how they deal with their teachers. And now I'm not saying that all teachers are right in regards to how they deal with their, with their students because a lot, of, a lot of that condemnation that plays in regards to bias in the mind of a kid stems from, you know, this sense of oppression and systematic control that we even see from our teachers and our authoritative figures and again it's not everyone but we all need to play our part in terms of bettering ourselves um, but I think that I even said this to one of my students a few weeks back um, at, at the high school I work at I was like yo like at the end of the day you're a young black man in this country and at the end of the day it's not going to be every white person or every other person that doesn't look like you but a majority of them already have a bias or a good amount of them already have a bias and a, a one-sided perspective or viewpoint and a, and a lens in regards to how they see us. So you need to learn how to administer self-control upon yourself. You need to be able to live within a streamline of double consciousness and know, okay, this is what I think. Now this is what this white person or what this other person is thinking. Now how can I go so I don't go about falling into the trap of, of portraying and painting that, you know, that elusive narrative of the black man as as beast, as demon, or as uh, someone that is highly truculent and very very um, dangerous um, to to the community. So you need to learn how to speak, how to take care of yourself, and how to and how to administer a form of peace and understanding within your awareness, so that way you can survive. All right. So for me. Ladies and gents, that's my word to the wise today. Because without awareness, uh, and, and when I say awareness, I don't just mean awareness from your lens. Again, think about W.E.B. Du Bois's uh, double consciousness. If you've never heard of that terminology before, you've never heard of that framework, please be sure to look it up. W.E.B. Du Bois was a great scholar in the early 1900s, and he wrote the book, The Souls of Black Folks. And a lot of what I'm saying is attributed to his uh, framework and his form of thinking. And uh, man, a bright man. But again, I'll, that's a topic for another day for another podcast. But aware guys I think that's the word that I would like to leave you all with today uh, Dre what's your word to the wise uh, my word to the wise is education and, and it's, it's a simple word but um, awareness is a part of that consciousness is a part of that that's another word you mentioned and I think um, one thing that I label myself as is a lifelong learner does that mean that I'm going to be in school forever no but I try to look at every instance in life, every um, experience as an, a moment to learn from. And um, I think, you know, it, it comes with being aware of your surroundings, of being aware of what what the cause and effect of every experience you go through is, and then just learning from that and trying as hard as possible, like not to repeat mistakes that you make, trying to, you know, um, improve yourself when you do wrong, right, even when you do something intentional, thinking is right, and it turns out that that was the wrong thing to do, mm-hmm. accepting that you did wrong and holding yourself accountable and really learning how to do that because um, this really is like the school of self where um, you have to, you know, you have to know know yourself and know who you are as any person, and since the people we're talking about like are black people, you know, we definitely have to be as educated as possible about all things, you know, just to give ourselves the best opportunity and to really be able to, to, to do what we want and 
and have what we want and protect ourselves. And so education is not just about going to school and getting all of these degrees, but knowing, right, having that cultural awareness, that social awareness, that political awareness, as you said, that word awareness is very important. And I just couldn't steal your word, but uh, <laughs> I would definitely say, you know, education. And I was thinking maybe consciousness. So thank you for everything you said for giving me time to think about my word. For I was sure. listening to what you were saying, you know, for sure. But uh, had had you had you only spoke for like three seconds and then told me to say my word, the fans would have been listening for a minute. Like, come on, Drake. You yeah. Got my word, my word would be education. You know, and just even whatever it is you want to do, learn as much about that. You know, like and yeah. just um, learn, learn, learn the the political environment of it. You know, learn the way people. You know, learn the the the, the rule of thumb. Learn the tricks of the trade. Learn the secrets of it. Like learn everything because um, you don't want to. Some people like surprises, but. Uh, in real life surprises usually make things harder that's very true very very true and just you know just for uh, just for your info just so that you know we always when, and when I say always always Mark and I always make sure for the word to the why segment that we allow our guests to go last so especially since if they've never been on the show so that way they can have a good ample amount of time to formulate their thoughts and their opinions together in a concise right. manner uh, so oftentimes when we go first whether it's Mark or myself we we all, like whoever goes first is usually the person usually scrambling trying to get their thoughts together but I think that, I think that this was such a good natured and well flowing uh, educational conversation and insightful that you know it was easy for me to pluck out my words so but no but Dre um, on the behalf of Mark and myself we're so happy that you were able to spend some time with us today and actually you know uh, set, you know, set some time out in your life to speak to, to us man we really appreciate it for sure yeah, I appreciate you for having me, and thanks for even, you know, valuing, um, you know, my opinion to the point that you wanted me to come speak on the show, like, you hit me up the other day about being on the podcast, man, I was on it, I'm like, yeah, bro, like, you know, I know you remember what I said, I'm like, I don't know, if I got the best ideas, but yeah, I'll say, I'll say how I feel, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's good, you know, so yeah, I appreciate you even more, bro, for sure. Nah, man, and yo. Good luck, and good luck with the podcast, No, I know you're trying to you know do big things man just keep this is dope bro no yeah. I, I appreciate it man yeah the whole imp- and the, the whole intended purpose of our po- of our podcast Mark and I um, is to enlighten and to inform the podcast itself is a self-improvement podcast and our mantra is millennials who are currently facing uh, you know challenges and robo- roadblocks and coming up with solutions in terms of how they could overcome them to break down generational curses to build generational wealth and to just start you know being the building blocks and the foundational blocks to rise and bring their families um, and their selves out of oppression. So obviously, you know, um, I thought of you because, you know, you have a great mind. You know, it was awesome pick, picking your, your brain back in college. Uh, shout out to, you know, again, I don't know, you know, I mean, nah, they're they, they in the public eye, so I'm sure they, they, wouldn't be, they wouldn't be opposed to me shouting out their names. Shout out to our former professors, Professor Martha Nadell and Professor, and Professor Ben Lerner. It was awesome just getting a chance to be in those classes, also with you and getting a chance to pick your brain and getting your perspective on a lot of the things that we, we talked about in class. And I always admired your mind, man. And to know that you were a rapper and you were from the hood and you carried yourself as you have, and now you're an educator. I'm like, man, like you're a person. You're a perfect person for our guests to hear from, man. I think people need to hear people well-rounded, such as yourself, and people who can, you know, they could look to and they could identify, man. So thank you. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. And likewise, Kev, man. Like 
you you one of the smartest dudes I know and like man, I bro like like I said man, it was an honor for you to even ask me to be on the podcast. Like I'm gonna definitely start, you know, checking it out and getting up on these conversations and I'm gonna listen back to some of the ones from the past, you know, and like pick up on something, um for sure, bro. Like you said, like you said before we before we got it before we went live, we gotta link up. Now I mean it's been too long since we actually got together, so I gotta link up with that. Let's do it. Let's do it. When I know I'm gonna be back in New York for a while, because I'm always in New York for like holidays, whether it be Easter, Christmas, summertime. I'll even spend two, three weeks out there. Let's do it. I'll definitely hit you up in advance to plan something for sure. Um, yeah, bro. So uh, before we go, bro, again, you're not just an educator and a and a critical thinker. You know, um, you're also a writer, an artist, a rapper, a poet. Could you please, please, please plug in your socials uh, and once again plug in, you know, any work that you have that's either out in your your catalog or present right now. Please let the people know where they can find you, bro. Absolutely. Again, man, the artist's name is Hoffa Bills, H-O-F-F-A-B-I-L-L-C. That's two words. Uh, I got, I recently put out two videos on YouTube this year. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. One is called, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, doing This. One is called Doing This. <laughs> Another one is called ICT. If you just search my name on YouTube, it'll come up. Mm-hmm. I have a, a EP out on on all music platforms, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, whatever you use to listen to music, go download the EP to search my name, Hoffman Bills, or you can search Miss Kathy's son. Um, I'm working on another one right now. And, um, yeah, um, in terms of social media, you can find me on Instagram, Hoffa, period, Bills, H-O-F-F-A dot B-I-L-L-C, you know what I'm saying? Links to all of my music is up there and everything, and, you know what I'm saying? Just, just, just follow me, baby. You heard the man. Y'all heard the man. Please be sure to follow this brother. Not only this guy is a great artist, but he's a really, really smart, dope cat that you would just love to sit down, pick his brain, and drink a cup of coffee in Starbucks tonight. <laughs> uh, that's 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 my boy Dre right there. Um, ladies and gents, that is our show for today. Okay, Mark will be back next week. Um, ladies and gents, also we only have three episodes left of the podcast. All right, this is episode twenty-two. Our first season concludes after episode twenty-five. So if you haven't had the chance yet, please be sure to leave reviews of the podcast on all platforms that it's available on, whether that be Apple, all right, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, well, you, uh, yeah, I guess you can leave reviews on YouTube, but it's not the best way, I would say. Uh, yeah, Stitcher Radio, please, 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 because the only way other people are going to come across the podcast and support and push us and, you know, get us out there is if you all, you know, talk about it and share it within, um, your daily spaces and circles. And shout out to everyone, everyone who's blowing up our Instagram right now, who's hitting us up. Uh, you were over a thousand followers right now, strong. Um, and, and to all of those, not only that, that are following, but who are engaging and actually, you know, contributing to the comment section and saying their thoughts and pitching episode ideas to Mark and I. We listen, we read, we comment back. Remember, this is the wise community. So everything that Mark and I say is not, you know, the end all be all. And even though it might hold weight, what you say holds weight too. So please be sure to contribute, share, and add your thoughts as well. Even if you disagree with us, please be sure to do that. And on another note, before we get out of here, 
please, please, please show my boy Dre, aka Hoffa Bill, some love. When I say that, please flood his pages with comments, uh, questions, DM him, ask him about his music, ask him about his artistry, ask him about what he's doing in education, and ask him about um, or or comment about this episode in general and what you thought about what he said. You know, because again, we want our guests to feel the love, so that way they feel as if they are not just uh, being spoken to or interviewed, but that they are contributing to our platform and they would and then the hope is that they'd be willing to come back for another round right um because i would love to get you know my boy dre back here for season two or season three okay so please 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 make sure you spread that love and show him that love and hit him up okay we, we greatly appreciate it and you know i'm gonna put dre on the spot dre let me know if y'all hitting him up and y'all you know y'all telling you know y'all telling some good things his way he, he'll, he'll definitely let me know so make sure y'all go ahead and y'all do that all right so again that's our show for for sure so again that's our show for today we'll be back next week with episode 23 all right um i'm not too sure as of right now what that is yet we have a couple ideas marking on but we'll let you know when we're back in a swing and you know full effects next week so as i said at the beginning of the best ladies and gents it's your boy kevin unglad and we are joined by our very 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 special guest that is the best, best featured spot ever by one of our guests. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And we are the Wise Guys Podcast. All right. We'll see you all next week. I know Mark's not here, but if he was here, he would say, stay wise. I'm about to go to Chipotle, you heard. <laughs>